Everybody talked about legacy, but none of them were happy with what they built. I didn't want that for me, so I quit. Silicon Valley likes to say that it's making the world a better place. But that's mostly bullshit. The problems that most famous tech companies are solving aren't real problems. But in other countries, developing countries, there are entrepreneurs who are building things that are actually changing people's lives in very practical ways. That's what this podcast is about. I'm David Madden, and you're listening to The Revolution of Necessity. On this podcast, we share the stories of tech entrepreneurs in developing countries. These are people who are innovating in places where technology could genuinely make the world a better place. This podcast is supported by Omidia Network. Omidia Network is a philanthropic investment firm set up by the guy who created eBay, Pierre Omidia, and his wife, Pam. Today, how could technology be used to improve education? We all know how important education is, but the standard model seems pretty outdated. Put a room full of kids together, kind of the same age, teach them the same thing, mostly at the same time. And the outcomes are not always great. Different people learn in different ways, but the school treats everybody the same way. That's Claudio Sasaki, the co-founder and CEO of Geeky, a Brazilian company using tech to tackle one of the country's biggest challenges, education. So Brazil is a very violent country. And one of the reasons is because these people, they don't have the opportunity to, to choose a career. They yeah. just do whatever is left. In Brazil, about half of all high school students drop out before graduating. Sasaki set out to fix this problem. The only way to cause a systemic change was to use technology to personalize learning. That's exactly what he did. Sasaki, along with Geeky co-founder Eduardo Bontempo, developed a range of web and mobile applications that adapt to the learning needs of individual students. Geeky's major product, Geeky Lab, integrates with the school curricula and provides teachers with digital lessons that identify students' gaps in learning in real time. Geeky Lab then recommends interventions and extra activities for each student. Today, Geeky is in over 5,000 Brazilian schools and has served over 12 million students. Sasaki, welcome to the revolution of necessity. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. It's an honor, actually. So, Sasaki, growing up in Brazil, you knew that education was really important. Your mother was a teacher, but perhaps more significantly, education had played this critical role in helping lift your family out of poverty. Can you help us understand this? I was born and raised in Brazil, but my grandparents came from Japan a long time ago. So my grandparents came to work in both coffee and pepper plantations. And it's fair to say that in their minds, education was the only way to, you know, evolve from that situation. So, I mean, just to give you one example, my father is the youngest of 15 kids. And just the the youngest ones were able to go to college, right? Because the oldest had, had to work in the farm. So I grew up, you know, knowing that it was very important for me to be a good student, to be able to go to a good university, and that would have a good impact in my life. Not only was education important for Sasaki, it was easy. 
He breezed through high school, scoring first on the country's high school exam. I had no idea about the impact of, you know, ranking first in the national examination would have in my life. Almost overnight, Sasaki found he was not just a national whiz kid, but a sought-after tutor. He put himself through university by offering private sessions. A lot of the kids that came to me, and they were considered as, you know, the kind of the trouble students, right? The guys who were not able to learn. Though school had been easy for Sasaki, he quickly realized why others struggled. They were very, very smart. I mean, certainly very capable of learning. It was just that they didn't connect with either the teacher or the school itself. So you have some interesting experiences with education and you're interested in it. You win a scholarship to do a master's of education at Stanford. But you're also interested in business, so you combine it with the MBA. And at the end of it, you go to Wall Street. (laughs) Why? Why do you go to Wall Street? Well, you know, looking back, my dream when I went to Stanford, um, my plan was to try to work for either United Nations or the World Bank, any of those multilateral organizations. That was my, if you read my essay, that's what was in there. But then banks came and I booked interviews to practice, essentially. I met this guy connected with him and I just thought that I could learn a lot from him. And And so maybe in a classic case of path dependency, you you end up you end up spending almost ten years in the finance industry. Now, one really important thing that happens is that you meet another Brazilian in 2007, a young guy, a bit younger than you, called Eduardo Bontempo. I returned to Brazil in 2007. My father got sick and within a month I was back here. Living in New York, I was back here in Sao Paulo. And I came directly to Credit Suisse. And in my first assignment, first week I was here, it was this huge um, last minute, very demanding, a lot of pressure project that we needed to work on. And then people said, you know, you, this is the guy you're going to work with. And it was Eduardo. And, you know, the, those stories about um, not showering and not going back home for three, four days are actually true. So that's how I got to know him. And it's interesting, you know, f- not sleeping too much, I'm not eating very well, a lot of pressure, a lot of work. Uh, you know, drives you to your edge. And that's, I think, when you really get to know uh, the people that I, you're working with. And we, we immediately connected, I guess, because we both came from humble families. You know, his father was the first one in his family to go to college. So he also came from not um, the kind of the wealthy families that you usually see in investment banking in Brazil that have all the family connections. And you guys have a sh- had a shared interest in education, right? Yeah. He was a tutor um, in college. Like you. Like me. And we also worked on a few education deals uh-huh. together. We started to joke that, you know, one day we could do something together in education. 
When did it start to get more serious? Because you meet Eduardo in 2007. When, when do you start really seriously, hey, here's an idea or... It started to get more serious around 2009. He decided to leave Credit Suisse to go to MIT for his MBA. And then his summer job, we essentially were working together. And the outcome of that sort of a summer job was the idea that became Geeky. So tell us what the idea was that you were working on over the summer. So we were researching how we could use technology to offer a low-cost, high-quality solution to K-12 students in Brazil. And why did you focus on that? Well, Brazil is, is a country where roughly half of the students who start high school, they don't finish. Out of those who finish, about 10% learn the basics in Portuguese and math. It creates this huge inequality that results in ultimately in violence. So Brazil is a very violent country. And one of the reasons is because these people, they don't have the opportunity to, to choose a career. Yeah. Just do whatever is left. And so the only way to cause a systemic change was to use technology to personalize learning in large scale. Because based on my experience, based on his experience, we truly believe that, you know, if you are able to treat each person's individual gaps and learning styles, of course, you're going to have better results. We were looking at technology that could support that vision and we couldn't find any. So we were like, if we try to do this part-time, it's just not going to work. So the, the final outcome, I quit my job, he quit MIT, and we started Kiki. Well, hang on. That's, so that, this is a big step, right? So yeah, it's a big step. <laughs> he's walking away from an MBA at MIT. You got a pretty high-level job. <laughs> That's right. I mean, what made you take that? Leap. I I was miserable with the life I had. I was not using my time and my talents for something that I truly believed. And I was doing that for people that I respected as business people, but I did not respect it, you know, from a personal perspective. We used to go out with clients all the time, you know, to talk and drink. And I'll tell you, how they describe their lives, I mean, it was not a happy scene. And it's this pressure to look successful to others versus, you know, how you live your life and what, what do you leave as a legacy. And everybody talked about legacy, but none of them were happy with what they built. I didn't want that for me. And I was not only not doing what I could do, but I was, I was also supporting these people to get richer right? as opposed to do what's most important. So you quit. So I quit. So in 2011, Sasaki and Bontempo abandon everything and throw themselves into their startup. Neither of them are educators or techies, but they use their vision to inspire some talent to join them and they get to work. So you have this big vision, which is that you, you want to change education in Brazil. Yeah. And you have this idea that maybe you can 
use machine learning to have a more personalized education. But that's still pretty pretty vague. How did you get to a product? Well, the first product was, but we still have it. I mean, it's funny. It, it was much more like a game, okay, a real game. So as you get questions right, you start building your, your buildings. So the ultimate goal was to build your city. As you, you know, buildings start to deteriorate, you had to go back and do some more exercises. That was the first uh, version of what we were trying to build. But it was it was a disaster in the first um, trials that we did with users. I mean, it was awful. They didn't like the experience. And so we switched. At, at that stage, was it centered on this national exam that everyone did? Had you zeroed in on that yet or not? No, yet? not at all. Okay. So we started to investigate about the national assessment. Okay. And what we, what we realized was that the way the score is calculated, it's sort of a black box. No one knew how to calculate. Mm. And so after digging a little bit deeper, we thought we found an opportunity to create a prediction system so that when the student would take one of our exams, we could predict the grade or the score the student would get in the national examination. So, and then how did you take that to market? Well, the strategy, of course, we had no money, we had no brand, we had no experience. So our strategy was if we can build something that is useful for top tier schools here, like very well-known schools, that would help us build, build the credibility that we don't have. Tell us about your first client. Tell us about getting that first client. It was a school that I went to, actually. Okay, so it was your, it was your alma mater. So I talked to the school owner. Um, he remembered me. He said, I don't know what you guys are building, but I want to be close to you. So that, that trust was, I think, what helped us get our first client, even though the product was far from being good. How was the product like? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, it was, it was awful. We were learning. <laughs> I guess the biggest frustration for every entrepreneur is you have a vision, but when you start, it's just so far away from the vision. And how did you figure out how to make it useful for schools? What was your strategy for doing that? It's pretty common today you hear about, you know, A-B testing, talk to your users, etc. At that time, it was not as common here in Brazil. Mm. But I think our DNA at Geeky is we don't think we have all the answers. We were very good listeners. So you spend a lot of time in the classroom? Or oh, outside yeah. The cl- <laughs> I mean, it, again, it's, it's a, a lot of time at the schools, listening, learning, uh, receiving criticisms, which is not easy. It's much more comfortable to stay, you know, in your office, trying to think about new ideas. It was very hard, but I think the, it was, it was more instinct than, than experience at the time for sure. But we knew that we needed to do something that was useful for teachers. Yeah. So by the end of, so you start in 2011, that's right. And by the end of 2011, you've got the school that you went to and you've got a few more. You've got about seven schools, right? It was end of 2012, we had about seven private schools that were paying for our solution. Okay. And how long have you been going at that point? 
First, first bit of revenue takes how long? It was close to a year, a little less than a year from, you know, the beginning until we had something that people would pay for. And there were a few times where we literally ran out of money and then we got our first client that was willing to pay. Geeky now has an early version of its Geeky test product, a tool that helps high schools prepare their students for the super important nationwide exams. Some schools are paying to use this product, but the company desperately needs some funding to keep going. But to get money, they need to show that this could be bigger than just a few schools. So they come up with a growth hack. We needed to show that our solution could work in large scale. Mm. So we partnered with this very famous newspaper here in Sao Paulo to offer for free a, a, a mock exam similar to the national exam, which would give the score in the same scale as the national exam. How did you get this? How did you get this partnership? Well, they were interested in reaching um, teenagers and people at this age. And so I think it was good for them. It was great for us because through their advertisements, we were able to really kind of start to become a national brand in Brazil. I mean, for free. And not only that, we were able to get data from um, thousands of students who helped us improve our algorithms as well. So it was like a win-win-win for all of us. Yeah. As long as we could deliver. Yeah. Right. And it was, I mean, that week, I'll tell you, was one of the worst weeks in my life because we barely slept. It was a lot of pressure. The system fell a few times, you know, shut down. We need to. Because you'd never had this many users. We before, never right? had. We, I mean, yeah. And, and did the system fall over? Yeah. How many times? Three times during that week. And we were able to go back quickly. I don't know who, I don't know how. I mean, to tell you the truth. And it was just. I don't know. He had to... We, we got help from someone. <laughs> Absolutely. Over 200,000 students use Geeky's testing product. The servers are shaky, but the demand is solid. Using contacts from the pioneering Brazilian social impact accelerator, Artemisia, Sasaki is able to raise the cash he needs. All these users also help to improve the product. In the beginning, we had a prediction model that we were trying to predict the score, mm. the real score. Mm. And so the more data points we were able to get, the more we could refine our uh, prediction algorithm. So to have a large number of people, not only large, but diverse number of people from different places within Brazil was really important for us to kind of refine and see how close or how far we were from being able to really predict the, the score. And so the next year, you find a way to do this on an even bigger scale. That's true. The next year, we evolved our product. So it was not only the assessment, but once we had the assessment, we offered a full study plan for students with exercises, with texts, with uh, video classes. And the beauty of that is as the student were was using the solution, we could gather more data and personalize. It was a dynamic, personalized learning platform. 
So once we had that solution, we thought, well, why don't we use the same idea? And instead of parting with the Sao Paulo news, newspaper, why don't we try to shoot for the moon and partner with the largest media company in the country? Ultimately, that's what happened. We partnered with the largest media company, its newspaper, TV, radio. So we were being broadcasted on a national level. And 2013, it was north of 3 million students who studied for free with our solution. Geeky is suddenly getting a lot of attention from students, from the media, and even from the bigwigs in Brazil's government. We got a call and it was from the Ministry of Education. And I mean, in the beginning, we thought it was fake, right? We thought it was someone was joking. Sure. But um, (laughs) it's not every day the Ministry of Education calls you, right? Yeah. And he, he invited us for an audience and they wouldn't tell us what the agenda was. So we flew to the capital of Brazil, Brasilia, and we went to the, um, to the ministry. And when we entered the room, the first thing he asked straight to the point was, what the hell are you guys doing? That's the first question? That's the first out question. The out of the gate, straight to the point. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, clearly he was probably a little bit upset. He didn't know much about it. And when, when we explained to him that we were able to predict the score of the national exam, examination, he looked at the other people from his team and people just, you know, shrugged and said, I don't know if that's true or not. He said, okay, we need to assess your tool and see if what you're saying is actually true. Because if it is, I want everybody to study with this. If it's not... Then we have a problem. Oh. Yeah. That wasn't how you planned the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was a shock. And at the end of that process, they not only recognized, but they certified our solution. So this is a pretty big deal. Yeah, it was it was huge. I mean, that's what we dreamt of when we created Geeky, right? We we got there. But of course, there's there's always good things and bad things about these moments, right? And so on the one hand, now you had this this potential route for getting distributed throughout public schools in Brazil. On the other hand, Brazil's kind of broke right now. <laughs> <laughs> so what's how's this going to pay for itself? That's when reality hits, right? And so how are you, like, as you, as you pondered all this, how were you feeling? It, it was very frustrating uh, because the first thing we learned is that there's no legal framework that would support governments to buy a solution like Geeky. There's no, the procurement system is not built to buy technology like ours. It's built to buy books or shelves or pens, but not to buy technology. It took us a long time to find a proper way to work with uh, public schools. How did you do that? What, what, what was the answer? Well, it, it was, there's a lot of trial and error, of course, and, you know, trying to learn how to navigate the system in a way that we feel comfortable 
I mean, you see in the papers every day, right? Where things that are not done properly. Sure. Yeah. Pe- pe- people people go to jail. Oh, absolutely. So this is a this is a big this is a big challenge, right? It's, because on the one hand, you have this chance to to do what your dream was, which is to fundamentally change education yeah. in, in Brazil. But mm-hmm. then. How to actually get it done? Well, that's the that's the biggest challenge I think every entrepreneur who is trying to innovate in the education sector in Brazil will face. I mean, mm. this is just the structural uh, change that needs to happen. And the only way we were able to find to work with public schools was through private sponsorships. So either companies or foundations sponsoring our solution into public schools. So give us an example. Give us a give us a real life example of how this comes together. So can you remember the first one of these that you ever did? Well, the first ones were foundations. It was not difficult to convince them because they had the resources. They were looking for good solutions. the The most complicated thing is to coordinate with the public schools. Because it's not only coordinating at the, the high level, but you need to go school by school, principal by principal, teacher by teacher. Because you, you need buy-in from yeah, the school. You need, yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. And this is also different from the original sales strategy that you had set up, which really just involved convincing a principal or the, or the head of a network of schools to buy this product as more traditional, absolutely more traditional sales process. Whereas this one, you got to cobble it together, get the school on board, and that's the trade-off, right? Because when we started Geeky, we always thought about the student from the public schools, right? Because those are who need the most, right? However, from a business perspective, public system is not friendly to small companies who lack capital, right? Who lack the resources to face a very long sales cycle, very uncertain. There's a lot of political risk. If changes the governor or the mayor or the secretary of education, I mean, you start from zero again. Were you able to find any hacks to this very school by school (laughs) distribution strategy? Because it must have been very frustrating to have this very, very scalable product, but then actually getting it in the hands of students and teachers was incredibly manual. I mean, there's no hack we could find. It was really teacher by teacher, student by student, principal by principal. So when we say that Geeky's products are in 5,000 schools that is the result of years of... Six years. Six years of school by school. That's exactly right. And I'll tell you, it's it's still, it's an uphill battle for sure because the legal framework is still not there. Mm. So it's, I mean, it's certainly a tiny fraction of what we could be doing at this point. How have schools and teachers responded in, in general to the product? Students, they love it. Right, because it's digital, it's built for them, it's like their language they're used to, either on their cell phones or laptops or tablets, whatever. It suits much more how they would like to study than kind of the traditional textbooks, right? Mm. And also there's the instant gratification and feedback so you know what you're missing, you know what you need to study. And it automatically prepares that for you. So the kids love it. 
Kids love it. I mean, for some reason, I think because of her story, there are uh, there's a lot of emotional attachment mm. from users with Geeky. I mean, there's every day there are stories of people who didn't have the means to pay for good quality education, but were using Geeky and now are in college. Do you, do you have a favorite story? Is there one story? I mean, you must have heard many over the years, but is there is there one that sort of sticks out to you that sort of really resonates? There is the story of this kid from a state of Ceará. His family, did, you know, did not have the resources to pay for a good school. And he found out about Geeky Games. And he tells a story that his mom used to say, hey, are you going to get crazy? Why are you studying so much? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> and he had this dream of uh, becoming a doctor, right? And medicine, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult program to be accepted. Sure. So because of um, our platform, he was accepted at a federal university. There is this personal attachment for me because we saw him before uh, then get into college and then now graduating. Yeah. So we saw the full, the full cycle. Testing shows Geeky's products significantly improve students' results. On average, users of Geeky Games, which is the learning platform to prepare for the all-important national exam, improve their scores by 30%. Geeky makes money by having schools pay for their full-featured product. But they also have a version that anyone, like that student from Sarah, can use for free. Right now, they have more than a million people using the free version. When you look from a pure playbook type of strategy for a startup, it will tell you, I mean, focus on one user, mm. one problem, one mm. business model. And focus is very important. And mm. we agree with that. However... Um, our purpose is really to reach and help every student in Brazil who does not have access to high-quality education. So that's why for us to work only with schools is not enough. We need to find ways to reach those people who are not part of schools that are, you know, uh, working with Geeky. One thing that's really interesting, Suzaki, is it's, it's not just students who use the product, right? Yes. Tell us who else is using it. One third of our users are adults. One third? One third. It's a lot. Wow. One third of our students are adults who either didn't finish high school or finished high school but are now trying to go to college. One question that Geeky raises, Suzaki, which I'm sure you've thought about a lot, yeah. <laughs> is to what extent is Geeky a Band-Aid on a broken system because it's sort of something that's being added to the classrooms, right? Yeah. I guess my question is reinventing education for the 21st century. I mean, where do you, where do you see this approach fitting in? To be honest, it's still a small drop in the ocean, right? Yeah. You would need many, many, many geekies yeah. to really transform the system. And I mean, what's clear to me is the outcome of the Brazilian education system by any metric you look is just a total failure. Kids are just not learning. Mm. So it, it really is a structural problem for sure. 
What would it take to get at those structural issues? Well, you you need, it has to come from the public system because, you know, 80, 85% of the students are in public schools. The importance of reaching students in public schools explains why Geeky has stuck at it, despite how hard it's been. Of the 5,000 schools currently using Geeky's product, the vast majority are public. In 2017, Geeky signed a deal with Brazilian education company SAS. Now, this is important because SAS publishes lots of Brazil's textbooks. Geeky has always struggled with being a bolt-on to the traditional classroom materials. But with this deal, Geeky has a chance to become an integrated part of the core classroom materials throughout the country. Part of the frustration we have had um, over you know, since, since we started Geeky is our solutions were complementary to textbooks. And so our impact was limited in some ways when we worked with schools because we needed to adapt our solutions to work together with textbooks because that's the core material that the school has. Yeah. So that partnership allowed us to have access to that full content that when we combine that high-quality content with our platforms, we can now offer a full solution to schools that replace textbooks, the traditional ones. So this is a big deal. This is a huge deal for us because right now we are part of the core experience of the school with our technology, with the content, capturing the data that flows back to teachers, flows back to principals, which before they just didn't have access to that data because it was all on paper, purely on paper. Right now, they can have the data real time. They can make interventions real time. They can talk and help students um, succeed before the student fails on an exam because you know in real time whether the student is learning or not. So that changes dramatically how schools operate. Mm. So this leads to this big question, which is what is your ultimate vision for Geeky? I think Geeky will allow um, changing the education system that makes it more efficient, makes it more meaningful, and allows for the development of not only getting content or mastering content from textbooks, but also allowing for class dynamics that develop what we call kind of the 21st century skills that they need to succeed in life. And our vision, I mean, of course, we believe that our solution works not only in Brazil, but could work in other places as well. So we see Geeky as a, um, as a, as a Brazilian company that at some point will also impact people from other places in the globe that also need high quality education at, at lower costs. You'd like to take it globally? Oh, absolutely. Have you ever regretted this, this, big left turn you took? No, never. 
Even when I think and when I see my colleagues who used to work with me in banking, I mean, many of them are pretty wealthy people now, right? I'm sure. But uh, there's not a day that I regret because to work with something that you truly believe with people that you respect and admire, to be able to choose who you work with and how you spend your time, you know, there's no financial reward that could pay for that. Well, Saki, the geeky story is is really pretty incredible. And uh, I want to thank you for sharing it. This is an amazing opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for making the time. Thanks for listening to The Revolution of Necessity. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be great if you could help us out. Please tell your friends and colleagues about it and rate us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. We'd also love to hear from you. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Medium, Instagram. All the links are on revolutionofnecessity.com. Or go old school and email me, david at revolutionofnecessity.com. Thanks again to Omidia Network for supporting this podcast. To learn more about what Omidia does, check them out at omidia.com. This episode was produced by Julia Alsop with production assistance from Ellie Lightfoot and editing help from Sarah Barrett. Our engineer is William Smith. Special thanks to Clean Cut Studio in DC and FX Studios in Sao Paulo. We'll have another tech story that matters for you next week. See you then. Last question. It's been a quite the journey, right? Yeah. Does Kiki have an anthem? <laughs> Is there a special song at Geeky? Uh, we we certainly have a mantra. Uh, we say... We, a mantra? Yeah, we have a okay. mantra. It's something that kind of became our... Even if you go to our offices, that's our password for the Wi-Fi. And it, in English, will be something, to, something similar to always onwards. Always onwards. Yeah. Can you say it in Portuguese? Sempre em frente. <laughs>